Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome, Bucks Report viewers, as well as our regular Bucks banter audience. We are finally all here together in one place for yet another installment of the Bucks Banter podcast. I am your host, as always, Colin Hallboom, and I kind of feel like Dwayne The Rock Johnson right now just because at this moment, we're everywhere, but all at once. You could be watching this live right now on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or Twitch, but don't worry if you're not tuning in live, you'll still be able to catch up on the show later. The podcast will be available for streaming on Apple Podcasts and Spotify whenever it's convenient for you. Also, I should mention, uh, we always appreciate likes and subscriptions on our Bucks Banter YouTube channel. So if you're enjoying the content we're putting up there, please go ahead and do that. Uh, now, I am happy to announce that this collaboration with Bucks Report will be a regular occurrence moving forward. And we will be hosting our show, Bucks Banter, every Monday night right here on the Bucks Report Network. This will take place every Monday at 7 p.m., not only on Bucks Report, but all of our usual Bucks banter outlets as well. So I'm pumped up to be here connecting with the Bucks Report audience live for the first time, primarily because we are now reaching more NFL fans and more importantly, more Bucks fans. Hopefully this will result in some great engagement with whoever is watching the show live. Please do not be shy and feel free to chime in at any point during the broadcast. I will try my damnedest to address any questions or desired topics that you suggest in the comments during the show. Now, if you are a regular listener, then you already know my guest for today's episode. As I've said before, he's getting dangerously close to co-host status. He has surged ahead of his other contender in the Bucks Banter Power Rankings, our other regular contributor, Scott Capron, who is currently golfing. Uh, not this guy, though. Not him. He's committed. He's punctual. He always brings a unique and educated perspective to his football takes. I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, the intelligent, the effervescent, the attractive Bodan Yard. Wow. The, the intros keep on getting better and better. It's insane. Uh, we got a ton of people in the chat there. I see my guy Johnny Santilli just hit us with a comment as well. Let's go, Bucks fans. I'm so pumped up to be here on Tuesday or Monday. Sorry. <laughs> and happy Memorial Day to all of our American uh, brothers and sisters. We appreciate you guys and hope you uh, have enjoyed celebrating today. Um, we got Andrew Fobert in the comments, fellow Canadian, showing respect for that, no doubt. Uh, so so today we're going to be talking about it's this is like the wide receiver show. Are you a believer in the wide receiver? We will be talking about the best wide receiver groups in the NFL. We'll be ranking them. Bo and I will each have our own rankings and we'll be sure to talk about a bunch of other good squads and good receivers. So that's kind of the theme of today's episode. But as always, we're going to start with what's up with the Bucks. What's going on in Tampa? It's it's a slow po point of the year, but there's still a little bit of news to catch up on. Um, first of all, this past week, we or within the last week or so, we uh, we re-signed Antonio Brown. So he finally inked his deal. There was lots of people saying, "Why hasn't he signed yet?" Well, the Bucks have signed him. Uh, he, he had to they had to check him out after a minor knee procedure was done. I'm sure it was all taken care of and done executed perfectly so he signs a one-year deal three million dollars guaranteed but he can make as much as six million if he meets his targets and therefore meets his financial incentives um 
in terms of AB, I mean, I expect him to have a much better season in year two with the Bucks. It was obvious last season he had plenty of things going on off the field, first of all. Um, and he was dealing with getting adjusted to a new offense on the fly, not fully comfortable, dealt with some nagging injuries. Um, I understand that he's not super young in the tooth, but he's also a different kind of cat and a different kind of athlete. Um, and I think people forget just how dynamic AB is when he's right. And I think we're going to see a closer version of that this year. I don't know what you think, Bo. Yeah, I definitely am expecting a lot more from AB this year. Not that he underperformed last year um, in any extent, but I think there's definitely room for a guy like him and what, what he's brought to the game beforehand. So I'm really excited to see what AB has. Right. And we got uh, Megan Wilton writing in saying AB still has something to prove for me. Uh, that's fair, but time will tell. And I think uh, based on his career as a whole, I don't know how much more he could prove, but I think he is motivated to prove something in Tampa and be an even bigger contributor to their Super Bowl aspirations this season. I'm excited to watch it. I think the continuity of that receiving core playing with Tom Brady for his second year, I'm, I'm really hyped up about it. I think it's going to go go real well. But uh, that's probably not a shock to anyone who uh, who knows me. Um, okay, so Harold Goodwin, our special teams coordinator, a guy very likely worthy of some head coaching uh, interviews at the very least moving forward. He had a press conference this week, which I tuned into because, of course, the Buccaneers draft was heavily invested into the special teams department. And I wanted to hear what Goodwin had to say about some of our guys. Um, and he spoke very highly of both KJ Britt, who was our fifth round selection, and Grant Stewart, who was the seventh last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, uh, in relation to the impact they could potentially bring to the Bucks special teams units. Uh, he specifically mentioned Stewart's speed and athleticism as an asset and said KJ Britt loves to hit people in the mouth. So those are that's pretty much carbon copy from the scouting reports. I mean, um, that's what, what, what you'd like to hear, though. And in terms of Jalen Darden, the team's fourth round pick and, and hopefully our future return man and potentially much more in the future. Um, Goodwin se seemed excited talking about Jalen Darden. And the one thing he kept saying was, uh, you barely hear a sound when he catches the ball, which is a great indication of like natural hands for playing that yeah. kick returner spot. So I'm into that. I'm all for that. Cool with me. Um, yeah. So that's just a little bit of a uh, little bit of catch up on that. And then what I said last last episode for anyone who didn't tune in, um, I loved how Brady or Arians, Bruce Arians opened up the facility for Brady to run a private workout with a bunch of the Bucks guys at the Advent Health Training Facility. Um, I think it shows a really cool compromise between the head coach because obviously he wants all his guys there working out, but he understands Brady's angle, who's been the the vocal advocate on behalf of the players, at least to the players, you know, telling them, stay away, don't be scared. Um, so, you know, Arians said come on in work out we'll we'll dip out and, and leave the space for you i just want you to have the facilities and uh and then you know tb12 and his guys get the feel of a private workout but they get the facilities of a top-notch nfl organization so i thought that was really cool especially coming off of uh, the news out of denver with juan johnson um yeah just to see that they're taking all the pressure off their veterans to keep working out, use the facility, get that little bit of extra protection from any type of injury that could happen. It's a smart move. And especially coming off of the Super Bowl, uh, Bruce Arians isn't concerned about the effort that Tom Brady is going to be putting forward in this offseason or any of the veterans on his team. So just give them the space to to do what they like to do. And I, I, I think it's a great move by them for sure. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's really all the all the Bucks news that hasn't or pro- already has, but that that we're gonna hit on today. Because uh, again, it's the it's the slow season. It's the off season. So let's take a look around the league and see what what is newsworthy. What could we talk about? Um, first of all, Adam Vinatieri has retired officially at 48 years of age. Uh, four-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, he probably should have pulled the plug four years ago, but who can blame the guy for taking another kick at the can? Keep getting the checks. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, but anyway, I mean, you got to give the you got to tip your hat to him. Potentially the greatest kicker of all time. He, he holds a number of NFL records, including most consecutive field goals made, which isn't that isn't a reflection of just being in the game for a long time. He, he hit the most in a row, forty-four. Uh, most. Yeah, it is. Most career field goals made, almost 600, and most career points with a career field goal percentage of 83.8%. Uh, I think that's enough kicker talk for today, though. Uh, <laughs> Brady says 48, hold my beer. Shout out to you, Johnny Dean. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Detroit Lions head coach Dan Campbell, he's a guy we've talked about on the pod. He he brings gold in, in the form of quotes, uh, whether it's like – true gold or just more of a matter of content that we can laugh at coming out of Dan Campbell's mouth is one thing, but uh, he did, he did make a real announcement related to football, not related to violence. Um, and that, that was that Panay Sewell, uh, seventh overall selection out of Oregon, the stud left tackle, uh, will actually start at right tackle this season. So, I mean, we've covered the drafts a ton, Bo, and in doing so, it's funny. I just kind of assumed Sewell would slot in immediately at left tackle. Like, I didn't even really think of it, even when Detroit took him. Um, yeah, and, I don't I don't even know who their left tackle is off the top of my head. Right, and and I hadn't either. I just assumed Sewell would automatically – whoever they took in the first round would automatically be their best version at that position. Yeah. Um, but, but they have Taylor Decker, who's a former first-round pick and who they've locked up, okay. so – so I get it. Like, I totally forgot about that. Right. Um, and so I was surprised when I read the headline, but it's not that outlandish of a decision, I guess, when you really like break it down, like, you know, start him out at right tackle. Um, he's expressed some some discomfort with the switch, just, you know, said it's been a challenge for him. And uh, it's kind of funny, like it, last year, Tristan Wirfs coming out of Iowa, there was a lot of talk about whether he might get moved depending where he was drafted. Of course, of course, Jason Light and his staff made the savvy move to ensure Tristan Wirfs became a Buccaneer, which all Buccaneers fans around the world, at least I, I thank the heavens every day for Tristan Wirfs. Um, and we, so he was able to keep playing right tackle, his natural position. But there was talk of him moving to the left side at the NFL level, um, even. But anyway, during his pre-draft interviews last year, he compared the concept of switching from one side of the line to the other to that of wiping your ass with the wrong hand um but so that's just kind of a funny quote that surfaced in the last uh week we just would talk of the peninsula situation so i thought that was funny and worth mentioning he's not wrong i was just thinking about that it's like everything is backwards and taken from a guy who has a crazy blister on his right hand right now i i would bet it would be extremely uncomfortable to uh do everything the other way around for sure absolutely uh, we got Christopher Cole. It's almost time for mandatory mini camps to get going. Can't wait. I love it, Christopher. I'm into it. I'm with you, buddy. I think all Bucks fans, all NFL fans are excited to get 
closer and closer to pads and action and all that good stuff. But it's our job to entertain you in the meantime, and that's what we're trying to do here. Um, so Aaron Rodgers, Bo, still holding out strong. Still yeah. holding out. Zero involvement in Packers workouts of any kind. He's going nowhere near that facility. He spent time in Hawaii. Um, and With your guy, Miles Teller, right? Miles Teller, uh, not definitely not my guy, but I, I had to like <laughs> double 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 check to suit the name to the face. But I obviously recognize him from movies. Uh, I saw yeah. Miles Teller got got punched out in Hawaii on that same vacation. You hear about that? I did not hear about that. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. You check it out. You're supposed to be our pop culture guy, Bo. What, what's up with that? I, I know. I'm really sorry. I would have. I would. I should be all over that. I kind of want to. I could leave the podcast right now, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, but yeah, so Rogers is still holding out. And then like all the receivers didn't show up as well. And whether that's a sign of solidarity with the MVP quarterback or a coincidence, well, I guess that's for, for you to decide. But, um, I mean, I don't, I'm just curious to see what happens once, you know, trades can start taking place. Once we get into June, we're real close to that point. I mean, green, green Bay needs to needs to smell the tea leaves here and start considering where they're going to send him. Cause I, I think, I think Rogers is going to sit out and I don't think he has yeah. any, like he's committed at this point. I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, obviously that's what he's trying to put out there as well too. But uh, when I read, read that story, I just felt really bad for Jordan love. Uh, I was listening to this, another podcast. I forget, I forget who it was off the top of my head, but you can't actually find a picture of Jordan love in a Packers uniform. He was never even suited up on a Sunday. Um, and yeah, going into OTAs, he's never thrown a pass to a starter. Like, this is insane at this point. He's just in red jerseys uh, playing, like, the the scout team QB. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough scene up there for Jordan Love. But I, I'm with you. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is bluffing at all. I think this could easily go into week one, week two. Um, if they're not prepared to make a trade. And the the longer you hold out, and I think this is something we'll touch on a little bit later, the longer you hold out on these deals, the less and less the packages end up being. Obviously, it's Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the, of the league last year, so who, they're, they're still going to command a ton of value in that trade, but um, not exactly in a position of strength of going to the table with that. Yeah, I mean, the fact there's no picture of – that's crazy. I didn't know that, but, like, there being no pictures of Jordan Love in a Packers uniform is kind of crazy. Aaron Rodgers is pretty savage, man. He was probably like, this kid isn't ready. Like, screw these guys. I'm out. Like, you're not going to draft me playmakers. We're not going to go for it on fourth down and our chance to head to the Super Bowl, you know, telling them what's what. We got uh, Johnny Dean. Aaron Rodgers will not play another down in Green Bay. All the fines they can give him are almost covered by his paycheck from Jeopardy alone. <laughs> I I actually heard Johnny that um, that he's 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 not the top the most he's not the guy that Jeopardy fans want most. What's that guy? Ken Jennings. Yeah, Ken Jennings. He's leading the poll. I saw that poll too. I'm up yeah, on my Ken, Jeopardy pop culture. Right there we go. There we go. You're working your yeah. way back. You're still doing better than Scott Capron, bro. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, the, the thing with the, like, from a money perspective, the Packers would actually get a ton of money back if, if he just decides I'm not coming to my job. Um, so I, I don't think it's about money. The Packers would much be in a much better position spending that money on Aaron Rodgers. Of course, no doubt about it. But if he's not going to play for you, I mean, at some point you need to accept that. And yeah, um, 
not let time take away all your leverage on the trade market sort of thing. You know what I mean? No doubt. Um, all right. Well, we've talked at length about Aaron Rodgers in previous podcasts, and I'm sure we will again. Um, I know that there's another player who wants out, and this is a special interest to NFC South fans, a guy who's given us quite a bit of trouble over the years. He's given a lot of defensive backs and defensive coordinators trouble over the years. And that is Julio Jones. Julio wants out, um, didn't necessarily admit it on his own accord, um, kind of got duped into it, but uh, live on television. But anyway, he does want out. That's obvious. And I know, Bo, you got thoughts on this, so I'd love to hear what, what you're thinking. Yeah, and we're, we'll get to that part because that's like off the top, right? But I think we just need a remind, not that the uh, Bucks fans need any reminder of who Julio Jones is, but um, this is his 10th season, or this will be his 11th season in the NFL. He's got five All-Pros already, seven Pro Bowls, leads the NFL all-time in yards per game at 95.5 yards per game. Guys, unbelievable. 20th on the all-time receiving list. Basically, for the last three or four years, if you were starting a team, Julio Jones would be your wide receiver one if you had every pick, any pick available of your uh, wide receivers in the league. And it wouldn't be that much of a debate to have him as your wide receiver one. Um, but yeah, I think this all starts um, probably in the exit interviews, which we weren't, uh, weren't privy to. Um, Julio requests a trade from the Falcons um months ago say uh, let's say it was march maybe february um and it's just extremely quiet from the falcons all the way up until the draft basically kind of leaks out on the draft kind of heats up a little bit more when that whole shannon sharp incident goes down um do you want to describe that a little bit to them or or you want me to just pick that up too yeah, no, like the Shannon Sharp thing, because like we did talk about it on the last last pod, it was vicious. Like if you watch it play out, so Shannon Sharp obviously connected uh, with Julio Jones on a personal level for many years, like potentially in a mentorship yeah. type of role. Um, decides they're talking Julio, him and Skip Bayless, the most trash sports media personality in the history of the planet. But um, anyway, he so he calls up Julio, puts him on speakerphone. They're live on, uh, what is it, First Take? No, what's that show called? Uh, whatever it's called. And um, he he asks him where he's going, and Julio just says, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm not staying in Atlanta. I want out, or I, I'll be gone kind of thing yeah. live on the air. But there was no prefacing the conversation with, yo, Julio, just so you know, like, we are live right now kind of thing. So the host of the show was trying to say that from the back, but – like, yeah, that, that's well, ruthless. Well, it's so ruthless. And, and, and at the end, Shannon Sharp says, okay, I got to go. We're on the air. Yeah. So there's no way Julio knew. Also, like we, we think that Shannon Sharp is a pretty good friend, mentor to Julio. But when they're talking about it, this whole thing comes up because Skip Bayless trying to uh, prod her ratings as much as he can um, basically says, okay, Julio's going to the Cowboys. Tell me I'm wrong. And Shannon Sharp is basically saying, no, Julio's not going to the Cowboys. Julio's staying in Atlanta. So Shannon Sharp has no, hasn't even talked to Julio about it, really, because Julio comes on and immediately is just like, there's no way I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out. And it's nothing about the Cowboys. He kind of denies that it's, it's going to be the Cowboys. But, um, yeah, I, like, the more I thought about that, it's just so, like, it's so weird on so many levels. 
and just seems like they kind of put Julio in a horrible spot. Kind of put the Atlanta Falcons in a really horrible spot too. Um, I, like just basically takes away any type of leverage they had going into June 1st. Um, and I can pick it up there because June 1st is a big day. So June 1st is basically the day in the NFL calendar that um, if you cut someone, if you trade someone, you're able to stretch whatever cap hit they were on the books for over the remaining years, the remaining guaranteed years in their contract. So for the Falcons, if they're able to keep them, the cap hit is 23 million. Doesn't really seem likely at this point. But if they trade them, the cap hit for the team that gets them, 15.3 million this year, 11.5 the next two years, but only 2 million of that 11, of those 11.5 years are, is guaranteed. So, um, those back end years really gives the team that whatever team gets Julio will be able to restructure his contract and just make it work that much easier because he's not owed a ton of guaranteed money from here on out. Yeah, that's uh, I'm glad that you broke that down for us because, like, on the surface, that contract looks intimidating, right? Because yeah. obviously, Julio, Julio's got some injury concerns and he, for whatever reason, has trouble finding the end zone despite being a prolific talent who's super productive. And we'll talk more about, about that later, I'm sure, when we get into our uh, top wide receiver groups in the league. Um, but but it is fun and and to discuss where he might go. And I think, you know, salary cap flexibility needs to be considered in that process, of course. And I would love to – let's talk about some of the teams where we think he could end up going or maybe where we want to see him go. Like, like, what are some scenarios here, Bo? You got any top of mind you'd like to start with? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like I, I would just want to like maybe even just dig in on the Falcons because like they're kind of due for a rebuild. Obviously, um, this is a good time to do a rebuild in the NFC South if you're if you're going to start one this year. Um, clear favorites in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, kind of up for grabs underneath that with Drew Brees leaving. Um, but it's really tough to rebuild when you have a star wide receiver like they have and uh, quarterback super overpaid on their end as well too so committed to matt ryan at least for the next two years um they restructured his contract again for the last three three times for the third time third year in a row um restructuring his contract because they weren't even in cap compliance with the nfl right now so they're in absolute cap hell right now they 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 don't have they have like no maneuvers other than to trade julio jones See, and all these Bucks fans, including myself, we've just taken so much pleasure in uh, ta- in taking looks at at the New Orleans Saints cap situation and reading up on that and how they just keep prolonging these years, oh. um, where it's going to catch up with them in the end. But under the radar, the Atlanta Falcons have been digging themselves a little bit of a hole too. It seems totally, totally have, and uh, yeah, they they at least have their picks. They have the draft capital still, but. They, they don't have a ton of a ton of moves um, out there. So um, as for Julio, and I was trying to think of this, I'm like, okay, what does Julio want? Obviously, he wants to win. He wants to get a ring. Um, what, what, are the, what is he looking for in an offense? Um, obviously, his best years to me were under Kyle Shanahan, that 2016 year when they were going to the Super Bowl. Um, that, that, was, that offense was highly prolific. Um, probably gave some Bucks fans nightmares, um, but creative OC is a bonus for Julio at this point in his career. Maybe lengthening his prime, he's still that dominant wide receiver. I know he missed seven games last year, and he's got some injury concerns. But if you really look at his stats, he hasn't missed that many games in his career. So 
um, I think that he could be great still. Uh, you know, sorry to cut you off. I just want to say, like, the scenario you're kind of insinuating, like him coming back potentially rejuvenated and just lighting the league on fire, at least that's how I read it. It reminds me tons of uh, Randy Moss. Like, people forget yeah. Randy Moss being in Oakland was just written off. Like, everyone thought yeah. his career was done. They thought he was yeah. pushed. Yeah, but, and he but, finds it in New England, right? Yeah, so just I just wanted to that comparison was top of mind when you were talking like that. It's a great, it's a great comparison, honestly. Um, so, what are the teams that want Julio? What do they look like? Um, to me, you're looking at 15 million in cap space, like we talked about. Um, hopefully, or the ability to create it through some sort of restructuring or cutting guys. There's always a way to get it done. Just ask uh, Jason Light, right? Um, yeah. but you, you also need the depth to survive the draft capital hit, right? So there's a, that kind of is the thing that writes off a lot of teams that maybe don't have first rounders this year. And then their second rounder is that much more important to building their team long-term. So I know every former player that you see on the media right now is basically saying, okay, if Julio Jones is available for a second rounder, you need to, uh, just go and do that. But how many blue chips do you have on your on your Super Bowl roster right now that were drafted in the second round? Um, and having that control over a player, over the uh, a contract, and and the cost protection that comes along with that is just invaluable in the NFL. So I think the two things you need is, is the cap space or the ability to make it, and uh, some extra draft capital to uh, to be able to uh, to be able to take in Julio Jones on your roster. Um, I've got four teams that I think kind of fit that mold, um, or, or are willing to just risk it all for Julio at this point. Um, Ben, you ben, Kieran's, already ask, ben Kieran's already asking, like, uh, is this one of those teams? Oh, one of those teams that, that, that might be one of those teams. They're not at the top of my list, but they are the Seattle Seahawks are definitely in play here. Um, okay. I'll, I, I'm going to start at number four for me. Number four for me was the San Francisco 49ers. Um, they've got 17 million in cap space. Uh, obviously, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, pretty good offensive line. And they've got the, they got the predicament of Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo in, their, in their system right now. Um, but they also have Trey Lance um, that's on the, on the horizon who has just a cannon. Um, Julio's got the, one of the biggest catch radiuses in the NFL. Um, he can cover up for a lot of Jimmy G's uh, mistakes as well, too. So really good fit for their offense. Um, and also, that would reunite that would reunite him with Kyle Shanahan, who you already mentioned was right. Reunion with Kyle Shanahan is the absolute dream and probably one of the biggest reasons for Julio to want to want to be in San Francisco. Um, the problems with this one sold a ton of draft capital to go and get Trey Lance. So they don't have. They don't have that first round pick next year. So their second round pick, third round pick, which is the rumor of what now is going to get it done for a deal with uh, Julio Jones, the second round pick, most likely. Um, it, it doesn't, it, I, don't, I don't know if they'll be able to, if, they'll, if they're willing to get rid of that because their defense isn't the same defense that got them to the Super Bowl. Um, they've lost a, a lot of those guys in, over the last year or two. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of the 49ers? I mean, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. I think yeah. adding him to that offense uh, would be 
would be lethal. I think in general, Kyle Shanahan um, is one of the most, he, he's the king of scheming guys open, right? Like I yeah. think like no disrespect to Debo Samuel, he's a super versatile player and like a gadget player. But I feel like guys like that can make a lot of money playing for someone like Kyle Shanahan because he's such oh, yeah. a genius, right? Running that zone scheme, just finding ways to get guys open. It's so impressive. So then you throw in a guy like Julio to play with Debo Samuel, who's a great player. And then you got yeah. Brandon Ayuk, who's a young receiver who I'm really high on. I mean, yeah, that like is just a lethal, lethal trio right there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And yeah, and Kittle, don't forget Kittle too, right? So they're going to control the middle of the field and Julio out on the outside just is able to take the top off the defense or just get them a quick slant and run somebody over and, and, and get those yards after the catch for you too. So um, it's a, it's a dream right now to me. I, I, I don't think the 49ers actually pull the trigger on this. I think they either get outbid or they, they just get a little bit gun shy um, just because they know they've got to kind of rebuild that defense and through the draft in the next few years too. Um, yeah, right. But go ahead. So I was just going to say, we got we uh, a viewer here. Uh, I don't know if it's my or me, so forgive me. I'm going to go with my. Cedor um, says, Julio Jones in San Fran could be lethal. However, the Niners have to build for the future, and I doubt they part with their only second-round pick. Um, super interesting because I feel like the Niners overpaid for that pick, like to move yeah. up to take, to take Trey Lance. I mean, at least – the fact that it all the speculation was that it was going to be Mac Jones just seemed mind-boggling when you consider that kind of the draft haul that uh, Miami got to move back a little bit, um, yeah. and then uh, and then he goes on to say, I don't think they're ready to win this year, but with that defense, the door is definitely opening. Two to three years, they will be in the hunt. I see their timeline, like the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback that they are clearly not sold on and willing to give yeah. up on by. by by moving all that draft capital to draft Trey Lance, the fact they made it to a Super Bowl with him, and you already alluded to the defense isn't quite as uh, where it was at that point. Um, but that just kind of shows how good they are. I think they're a really well-built team. I think Richard yeah. Sherman, Richard Sherman's a free agent. We'll see what happens there. But like, I don't think their success on that side of the ball is dependent on Richard Sherman necessarily. Uh, the point is it's a super sound, functional regime they have there john lynch former buccaneer shout out john lynch um yeah. and shanahan have done a great job and they're always going to be a problem so throwing a guy like julio into the mix it's just, it scares me as a bucks fan as an nfc nfc rival yeah absolutely and and the jimmy g piece maybe they are able to flip jimmy g for some draft capital maybe um he gets and then a lot the, to they, he gets paid a ton too, right? But June first, maybe that makes it a little bit easier on people. Um, but yeah, the, that's the only way that I could see them doing it. But Julio Jones, whoever trades for Julio Jones, your timeline has just been accelerated a ton. So that's the that's the give and take with this type of trade. Because um, if you if you trade for Julio Jones, maybe you don't care about your second round pick as much anymore. So or your third round pick or even building through the draft because you're basically going into the Rams territory of, okay, we have to win now. And I think they're, they're going to be close to approaching that. They must believe in Trey Lance his ability to perform sooner than later, at least compared yeah. to a lot of the draft pundits and analysts who consider him more of a long-term prospect. Um, I'm just trying to catch up on some of the messages. Harry Berg, what's up? Welcome to the big show. LFG, you guys rock. Welcome to Bucks Report. I appreciate that, Harry. We appreciate that. We appreciate you tuning in, my guy. Thanks for it. 
Um, and yeah, man, we get lots of good comments coming in, lots of good feedback. I dig that. Feel free to keep chiming in with any questions you might have or opinions. I'll get to them as much as I can periodically while we try and churn through the uh, the content we've put together for tonight's episode. So sorry, Bo. Totally. No, no, that's all good. I'm, I'm loving this engagement we're getting. This is sick. Um, yeah. Number three, number three on the list, Ben Kieran, Seattle Seahawks. This one's there, a little bit there tougher. There you go, Ben. A little bit tougher. 7.2 million in cap space. Um, and they don't have their first this year. They gave it up to get Jamal Adams. Um, so they sent a 2021 uh, round one and, and round three this year. And then next year or next draft, they have uh, a round one going out to the Jets as well, too. So a um, little bit tougher, um, obviously, with, with that situation. But Obviously, you can always make you can always find a way to create cap space um, with seven point two million already on the books to absorb that fifteen million dollar hit. They're halfway there, basically. Um, they do have a new OC in Shane Waldron, um, who's never called plays before. Um, coming out of the Rams system, I believe he was underneath Sean McVay. Um, Sean McVay is placing a lot of head coaches in the league now already. He's building his tree. Um, but his, boss, his his former bosses are probably considered part of his coaching tree now because of how much everyone <laughs> loves Sean McVay. Yeah, no doubt, and he's he's our age as well too. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, he's uh, he's he's going to be around for a long time. There's going to be a lot of guys who are from the Sean McVay tree coaching. Um, so that it does concern me that uh, Shane Walters never never called plays before in a in a regular season game. Um, also, I think Pete that Carroll. Go ahead. I think. I think this guy not calling plays before could be a good thing for the Seahawks because maybe they can kind of get away from that old school pound the rock every first two downs and then let's have Russell Wilson scramble around and throw to one of our two dynamic receivers as opposed to structuring their offense around their strengths. Like yeah. maybe <laughs> that's 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 what I was gonna get. I was gonna say like it's it's tough to be the guy who has no experience calling plays before into a room with Pete Carroll. Uh, Super Bowl champion who says we need to run the ball more effectively after he gets ousted from the playoffs last year. So um, it might be an uphill battle to to get Pete off of that ledge. But yeah, I hope Seattle figures out a way to throw the ball in first down a little bit more often. Um, the good thing for Julio is that you do get Russell Wilson, you do get DK Metcalf, you do get Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Um, plenty of one-on-ones in that offense. And Russ's ability to just keep plays alive, improvise on the go. Julio's built for a quarterback like that. Just literally, just the, the catch radius doesn't even come into play with Russ because he's got one of the most accurate deep balls in the league. It would be really cool to see him in Seattle. Yeah, it would be fun. It, they they have a lot of holes there though too. Like with that team, exactly. like I like you know, and like like you already mentioned them sacrificing draft assets to, to acquire Jamal Adams and their defense was so vulnerable last season. I mean, especially the former Legion of boom to abandon that side of the ball. Um, yeah. And where, whereas receivers already a strength, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Let's see if they can throw to the guys who are there first before they worry about adding uh, someone of Julio's caliber. That's my, my opinion, but it's certainly an interesting one. And p- anytime you pair a receiver like that with a quarterback, like, back like that it's fun to uh consider no doubt yeah it would, i like just from a fan entertainment mode i would be awesome but yeah their defense has more holes than you can count um bobby wagner is basically the only 
only guy on there, but saying Bobby Wagner is the only guy that you love. But yeah, Bobby Wagner is really, really, really good at defense and really good at football in general. So um, he he covers up a few of the holes. They would be even worse if for some reason he wasn't able to play all 17 games this year. But yeah, for Seattle, it's a, it, it would be a really like explosive offense. They'd be basically the Brooklyn Nets. And they, they have a ton of... Uh, a ton of buzz going into uh, tomorrow when it kind of heats up for the Julio trades. Apparently Russ has been in contact with Julio. DK has been on uh, social media vouching for him, trying to get him into uh, Seattle as well too. So I, 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 they're, they're kind of like the media favorite right now to uh, land Julio. Right. Cool. All right. Who's next? Who else you got, Weez? Yeah. Now, now we get interesting because at number two, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. 19.8 million in cap space. They've got all the draft capital in the world. They've, they they don't have anything to, uh, they haven't given away anything. Um, it's just a perfect time. Basically, it would be the opposite of what they did in Seattle, where you have your rookie quarterback and you kind of build up the defense with the Legion of Boom. Um, you're basically putting everything at the disposal of uh, Justin Herbert and say, okay, you're on your rookie deal and we're just going to, speed up the timeline right now and try to try to go and get a, a Super Bowl. Um, you're pairing Julio Jones with Keenan Allen and the perennially uh, injured Mike Williams. But still, I, I think they have a, a good conversation to be into the one of the best wide receiver rooms. If you add Julio Jones to that, um, pairing him with Keenan Allen would just be unreal. Now, Johnny Dean, he hate, hates hearing Bobby Wagner's name. Guy's been putting Levante David in the shade since he came into the league, and Levante David is a better linebacker. Love that, Johnny Dean. I love that love take. That. Um, no doubt Bobby Wagner is a stud, and Levante David is a stud. Um, I wrote an article kind of profiling how exceptional he's been over at BucksBanter.ca. Johnny, I'd love for you to check that out because it ultimately details how perennial – how perennially, perennially great Levante David is. Uh, we all know he's been overlooked, but when you actually, you know, break down the numbers, it, it is really incredible. And he's such a, an example of a modern day linebacker because of his ability to cover, which is definitely something that Bobby isn't Bobby Wagner's strength. Bobby Wagner is more like that Levante David thumper in the middle. Uh, sorry, uh, Devin White thumper in the middle against, against the run game, whereas Levante is far more dynamic. As we saw in the Super Bowl, when he put the clamps on Travis Kelsey, something the mainstream media all week leading up to the Super Bowl said wasn't possible. Kelsey was going to abuse him, and Levante stepped up huge. So anytime I see someone standing up for Levante, I got to do it too. Uh, but also Bobby Wagner is absolutely a stud. You're not wrong there, Bo. No, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to take anything away from Levante. I know this is a Bucks podcast. Um, but yeah, going back to it, like number three on my list, Los Angeles Chargers. What do you think? They were sixth in the league in passing attack last year with uh, not that deep of a receiving room. They had Mike Williams out a bunch of games. So, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think the Mike Williams thing is interesting because he's got so much talent. Like you know since he was in college with jump balls for Clemson in the title game, like that guy is like, he's awesome when he's in, but he, he seems to be hurt all the time. The only thing is they just drafted a guy, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, who they're pretty high on. Canadian. Um, yeah. Canadian boy out of Brampton, I believe. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like for him to work with a guy like Herbert, like Herbert is clearly one of the, 
going to be a star in this league. I, I, I don't think many people expected him to be as effective in the NFL in his rookie season yeah. as he was. He was just he kind of viewed as he was viewed as the like prototypical quarterback, but kind of lacks the consistency and execution. And he threw all that out the window as soon as he stepped on an NFL field after Tyrod Taylor's lung got punctured by a team by own, yeah by their own tree. And we talked about that last time, but yeah, um, it's almost more of a testament to Justin Herbert where it was literally hours before kickoff. They just said, "Hey, you, you're you're our one now." Um, so yeah, I, I I I would love to see it, but you're right, like. They're, they have a really good timeline. When I was thinking about like the, the counter argument for it, they have a good timeline for Justin Herbert right now with the receivers that they have. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but uh, Jalen Gutton, I want to say his name was. He, Guyton? When, Guyton? Yeah, Guyton. Guyton. Jalen Guyton. Um, he, when you guys played him, when the Bucks played uh, the Chargers last year, he burned, uh, I think, Sean Murphy Bunting on a, uh, on a seam route and, and scored the uh, 72 yard touchdown i think it was um he had a good he had a good year as the year went on as well too um just looking at his game logs and uh, looking at some of his highlights from last year um he could be a big player a big player for them their wide receiver three um going into this season and yeah like you said josh Palm, josh palmer coming into that uh receiver dream as well too um they've got a lot of young talent on both sides of their ball um when you look at their defense as well too so they they could really uh they have a good timeline for justin herbert i just think it would be fun to see julio jones they have the cap space to do it they have the draft picks to do it it would be really cool to see him just catapult the chargers into the conversation with the chiefs so who's going to win that division yeah they're going to be you're right like their timeline is really nicely set up right now and you know you don't want to like jump the gun and and rush anyone in there like they had a great yeah. draft too like you know asante samuel and rashawn slater like yeah you know the left tackle and a potential like number one corner like yeah nice derwin james is going to be back healthy playing safety well we'll see how long he's healthy for yeah. but knocking on one yeah there. yeah i All love derwin james fans. we both love derwin james yeah, and, and a lot of people watching this did too, I'm sure, coming out of Florida State. So um, let's keep rolling, though, Bo. Let me get, let's get through your uh, potential landing spots and so we can uh, – We're it, it's tough to uh, follow along with all these great comments and then stay focused on on the, the good stuff you're delivering here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, I, I've got my uh, one more. and I, I Maybe I'll just run through my honorable mentions before we get to the number one spot. Um, right. honorable mention to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I just, I just would love to see Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen have Julio Jones on their team. Um, there's an expectation, I think, going into next year for the Bills that they're going to run the run the ball a little bit more effectively. Um, but if that's not their focus, adding Julio Jones would be just electrify this offense. I don't think it happens. They already spent on Emmanuel Sanders one year, six million dollars. They need to free about $11 million in cap space. They've got about 4.6 right now. Um, so it, it would be tough to add them in there. Um, but they're on my honorable mention list. And then I've also got the, uh, the aforementioned Green Bay Packers. Basically not the, not, the, uh, not the dream spot for a star NFL player right now. But if you ever wanted to put together a pipe train to make Aaron Rodgers happy, um, team Julio Jones up with Devontae Adams and, and have the best wide receiver duo in recent history. Um, 
I, I think who I think Aaron Rodgers might show up to a mini cat mini camp after a trade like that goes down. That would make things very, very interesting. And I know we got a couple Packers guys tuned in. I've been getting a text from a Packers buddy, Connor Ofield. Shout out Connor. He's been uh sorry about sorry about what uh, Scotty Miller did to Kevin King on the corner there. Um <laughs> You know, he's still mad at me about that, but it's nice to see he was tuned in. We'll see if he's still listening because I'll hear about that comment. And uh, our guy Ben Kieran earlier weighing in, he's a big Packers fan. So I'm sure, I wonder what they would think about that, to be honest. Like they seem, like Ben earlier, I, I showed it when you, we were talking, Ben Kieran uh, suggested, he he doesn't, he thinks the Packers should call Rogers bluff and just ma- wait it out. Um, yeah. He, he compared it to the Kobe Shaq thing. The comment's too far up, so I'm not going to go searching for it. But um, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and Julio Jones, I mean, you know, like you said, that would form the most formidable receiver duo in recent memory and just happen to be one of the greatest quarterbacks during our time as well, who's clear, yeah. he's the MVP of the league. So uh, that, that's something. And I love the Bills scenario i don't understand why the bills should get creative they should talk to uh bucks cap guru mike greenberg and see what he what they got to do to get under the cap to make it work because that could be for a team like the bills that could be the the missing link for them in my opinion what me too you know like that that changes the afc that changes the afc completely to me that that makes the bills the favorite like clearly the favorite to me um yeah, I would just love to see the Bills get creative. Nobody's talking about the Bills getting into this, so I know there must be something behind that. So yeah, that's, it's too bad, but yeah, Josh Allen, kind of the, another perfect quarterback, can extend plays. Julio can find an open spot in the field, and and after the catch, he's one of the toughest wide receivers to bring down. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's hear. It. I've got my number one. Number yeah. one, the Baltimore Ravens. million in cap space. So they got to get creative, restructure, figure out a way to make it happen. But um, they've got the draft capital to do it. They've got their first round pick or second round pick. They've got all of their picks next year. They also have some extra picks in the third, the fourth, and the fifth. So they they can make a godfather author to the Falcons and and say, okay, we we need Julio Jones. Um, You have Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson necessitates an eight to nine man box on basically every play. Um, so that will give Julio the one-on-ones that he wants and he needs. Um, and again, Lamar Jackson loves to go off script. He can keep plays alive. He's going to find Julio down the field. And the one thing that the biggest knock on Lamar Jackson is uh, accuracy downfield and the accuracy in the passing game in general. Julio, Julio solves a lot of those mistakes. Honestly, he covers that up. You can keep developing Lamar. Julio's going to catch anything that's in his radius. Um, so I would just absolutely love to see it. Um, their OC, offensive coordinator, just going back to the very start of this, um, where we're saying we'd love to see Julio with a defense, uh, a creative offensive uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, Greg Roman got the job over there in, in Baltimore. Not necessarily known for unlocking star wide receivers. He was a tight ends coach. Um, obviously, he worked with Colin Kaepernick when he was at in San Francisco. Um, so big run game guy. But he's he's talked. To, the most recent tweets that I saw uh, from the Ravens uh, site was that they were looking to bring a little bit more of a schematic change to their offense this year. And nothing says schematic change more than Julio Jones in that Baltimore Ravens offense. So that's my number one 
destination for Julio Jones. Baltimore Ravens, they've already got the defense for it. They've got the picks. And you have Lamar Jackson. And, and, and just to before I, I let you jump in here, uh, you have to pay Lamar Jackson too, right? Um, he's coming off his rookie deal. What better way to make those dollars that you're going to pay Lamar Jackson worthwhile than to give him the weapons that he needs? You're already doing it in the draft. You picked up Sammy Watkins in free agency. But give him that number one alpha dog receiver who is just going to go out there and catch absolutely anything Lamar puts in the air. So I, I, I would... I would. I think some people are saying, okay, well, they got to pay Lamar, so they can't pay Julio. No, you, you, you can find a way to make it work. Just pay Lamar and make those, make that money, make that much more valuable by having the weapons in place for Lamar. Because once you pay Lamar, you're not going to be able to add that many more people to your, uh, uh, that many more stars to your roster and free agency. Yeah, and the Ravens are an interesting one. I didn't expect that to be number one, so I kind of like it. It's kind of off the board, uh, a little outside of the box, as my boy Bo yeah. tends to do. Um, they drafted Rashad Bateman. They got Hollywood Brown there, and I think Hollywood Brown playing in like number two receiver, number three receiver is where he would is meant to play. Like he's not meant to be a number one receiver. So, yeah. I mean, this these are the takes you're going to get a lot of. Like my Cedar uh, Jackson can't be trusted outside because his accuracy is atrocious. Um, you'd be surprised yeah. looking at his passing numbers. Obviously, the the arm talent is the question, and his strength is is in his legs. No one's uh, going to deny that. But I do think that the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff and executives are true believers in Lamar Jackson's talent. And you, you know, like you said, they're going to pony up. They're going to pay him. So, so how else are you going to prove to the world you can throw the ball if you don't put the the pieces around him where he can throw it to? Like, you know what I mean? So it makes it that much easier for him too, right? Like it's exactly. Julio Jones. He's he's catching balls that other wide receivers don't even think about making an effort for. Um I I know I understand Lamar's got his accuracy needs to be worked on. It's it's atrocious is more than fair, um, from what we've seen to, seen from him so far in his career. But I think when you have a quarterback like that who is who you're locking up to be the future of your franchise, what's the point if you don't have the receivers to get it done? Um, you can't rely, you can like, he's Lamar Jackson. So he's going to make the run game work, but that's not going to work forever. Um, if you're going to pay him all that money, lock him up for all those years, you, you, he's not a running back. You have to give him the wider series. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then the only two teams, Bo, that I, I have a personal interest in that I, I would like, like Cleveland has $21 million in cap space. Yeah. OBJ, OBJ coming off the injury. Jarvis Landry, like that's a team that took a massive step this year. They're really well positioned on offense, led by Ed Stefanski. Um, you know, their success is going to hinge on Baker Mayfield's ability to execute and limit his mistakes. Uh, but that roster is so impressive on both sides of the ball. They're absolutely stacked. I was shocked to see they have upwards of $20 million in cap space. I mean, go for it now if you're the Cleveland Browns. Make a compelling trade offer for Julio Jones, throw him in the mix with Jarvis and OBJ. Are you kidding me? They got great tight ends. They got Austin Hooper. They got David and Joku um, like that. They already have a top tier receiving group. Like why not just do it? That's, that's yeah. the number one for me that I think the Browns should, should make the push. Who knows how Julio would feel about that. I, I had them on my list too at the, when I was first going through this yesterday, but I, I just started to think about, all the drama just integrating OBJ. If you add Julio to that mix, I just don't know what that does for that locker room. Um, not that drama I think Julio, 
yeah, I don't think Julio involved, but I just think you're adding extra people that OBJ can blame for not getting the ball and just be a distraction. I, it's more OBJ than than Julio, like absolutely on my end. Like I just I just don't I just want to see it work for the Browns. I think they've already got a good enough roster that they don't need to sacrifice as much to go and get Julio. Um, they were close to beating the Chiefs last year, um, but. Yeah, Julio, Julio definitely makes it that much easier on Baker. And I, I, if they didn't have OBJ, I would be like, okay, I don't even think it would be a discussion. They obviously have the draft capital. Um, they have their first and second, third. They've got extra extra pick in the fourth, extra pick in the seventh. Like, they've got all of their picks. Um, they could easily make a, a godfather offer to the Falcons. But I don't know. I just I, – I, I, couldn't, I couldn't bring myself there. I just – I just want to see the Browns do it with the roster they have because I'm super high on them. Fair. And then the only other team I think is worth mentioning because there has been some chatter about you know them being interested, and we have all seen how aggressive Bill Belichick was in free agency, is, of course, the New England Patriots, $20 million in cap space still, um, yeah. brought over a bunch of guys. But I think the receiver position it still leaves a lot to be desired, and um, he obviously loves Julio. He's like Julio almost took a Super Bowl from, from them if it wasn't yeah. for that miraculous 28-3. to come back um so that's just another team that i thought was worth mentioning but uh yeah that's good stuff the only thing with that one yeah the only thing with that one is that i don't think that julio can catch a ball after it bounces so that takes cam newton out of the running right who knows maybe they throw mac jones in there sooner mac jones can get it to him (laughs) but yeah yeah, that's a valid valid chirp of cam lamar jackson's got a lot more arm than cam newton like yeah maybe cam can throw it i don't know we'll we'll see but yeah, I mean, that, but yeah, we'll see what we'll see with Cam, but uh, I'm I'm not super. I I'm obviously cheering for Cam, but I'm not positive that he's going to be remarkably different than last year. Yeah, I don't. I'm not cheering for anyone in the NFL to fail, aside from Carson Wentz. Yeah. <clears throat> and the New Orleans Saints. Oh, sorry, uh, team wise, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What am I yeah. saying? Yeah. I I got a I got I got one more before we move on. Um. This is like, let's just go from like, okay, we're, we're, we're operating in reality right now, right? Let's just go to this alternate universe. We're all Bucks fans here. Let's just, let's have a quiet moment together. What would you say if I told you Chris Godwin did not get the franchise tag at the start of this free agency? And now the Bucks, the Bucks might have, let's say around 15 million in cap space right now. Would you... Would you be happier or more confident going into the year if you were on the table uh, at these Julio Jones negotiations trying to make something happen? Or, or are you happy with what you have with Chris Godwin and the continuity there? Yeah, I mean, as as enticing as the concept of, <laughs> of Julio Jones and... Don't worry, guys. Bo's just trying to start a ruckus amongst Bucks fans, all right? I bring him on because he's objective. He's not a true Bucks fan. Um, but yeah, like as enticing on paper as it is, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, um, and Antonio Brown, uh, there's just the continuity is too important with the receiving core. And I think Chris Godwin is a slot receiver. Like that's where he's been moved to. He plays the Larry Fitz role for the Bucks, and he does it damn well. Like AB lines up on the outside more often than not, where he actually, despite his height, right? Everyone assumes like AB yeah. must be a slot guy, Godwin must be a wideout. No. Godwin shifted to the slot role, and he's so well-suited for it. He's such a good blocker. He's so gritty over the middle. Um, a lot of casual fans 
just saw Godwin in the playoffs this past year with his broken hand, and he was not like you never see Godwin drop balls. Bucks fans know Godwin doesn't drop balls, but he did in the yeah. postseason because he was he had like pins in his hand still. Yeah, I love shocker. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Bo. It was a valiant attempt. Um, I I couldn't possibly admit that publicly, even if I thought it deep down that <laughs> that I'd prefer Julio over Godwin. Um. So let's yeah, you can send on. me a text. You, you can send me a text later. It's no big deal. But yeah, um, the idea of idea of the Falcons handing Julio Jones to a NFC South team is probably insane in itself. But I I, I just like taking a look at hey maybe maybe I could get you to admit something on the record right now. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the effort. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this episode is titled uh, "Top Receiver Groups in the NFL." That's what we planned on. We're almost at an hour, and we haven't even got to it yet. Yeah, that's crazy. So whatever. We got lots of time in our time slot, so it's fine. We'll roll with it and see how this goes. But what we want to do now is Bodan and I are going to unveil our top five wide receiver groups in the NFL. And some of our discussion thus far has already incited some contentious differences in opinion, um, which I can completely respect. Um, But I I would expect there to be lots of chatter involving this because this is such a – What's the word? I'm, it's it, it's totally subjective. The top receiver groups in the NFL, right? So, yeah. in terms of like, so it's very challenging to create a career a clear formula for what makes the best receiving group in the league. You need to consider like elite talent, depth at the position, versatility in terms of the types of receiver receivers assembled on a specific roster. So it is a very subjective process, and I would expect there to be some differences between Bo's list, my list, and surely any of you listening or viewing your own list. Yeah, um, let's let's see it in the comments. We're gonna we're gonna go this, through this pretty slow. So well, as we're going through it, I think we, we got a top five each. So when we're on five, throw out your what you think your five is uh, in yeah. the comments there. Yeah, feel if you, absolutely feel free to chime in. What who what teams have the best wide receiver rooms in the NFL? Um, I think we're gonna count down from five to one in terms of my receiver, own form. receiver rooms, though, right? Receiver Re- wide rooms, receiver rooms, wide receiver no, re- rooms. Receiver, receiver, no wide receiver. Okay, (laughs) Okay. great. So we've already (laughs) we've already demonstrated a clear difference in in opinion. For me, the consideration of tight ends isn't meant to be a focal point if we're just talking about the wide receiver rooms because I think we might rank tight ends later at another episode or something. Um, So I, for my personal ranking, really neglected the tight end position, even though that's like they are especially there's some dynamic receivers who, who would bring certain receive, receiving tight ends who would bring certain groups way up. But for me, I only use tight end as a, like a tiebreaker, a little bit of a bonus. I want to talk like wide receivers for the most part. So it's worth mentioning and could be a, a tiebreaker for me, but it isn't something that I'm trying to consider with this. Um, so, Justin Holman, before I get going here with my number five, the Bucks have the best wide receiver group in the NFL, hands down. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to be shocked when I get to my number one. I don't even think it's very particularly close at all. I completely agree with you, Justin. Appreciate the input, my man. Uh, I had a lot of trouble with my fifth position. So, I'm gonna we're going to count down. We'll start with each of our five, four, three, two, and one. I have the Dallas Cowboys. So, their wide receiver room, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. Um, Amari Cooper is what he is. He's, he's talented. He's a wide receiver one in the NFL. The big thing for me, me here is I'm, I'm big on CD lamb. I think he's going to be a star in the NFL, even though he was really not used how I would have expected this past year. 
um, in Mike McCarthy's system. Shocker. I think McCarthy can't terrible. really call it system. Yeah, can't yeah. even call yeah. it system. But regardless, the, the the top three of Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup uh, is really strong. Um, but it was really hard for me to, to decide. Now, before anyone attacks me on here, it was really hard for me to decide between the Cowboys and the Bengals. Yes, the Cincinnati Bengals with this fifth spot. I went back and forth on it a lot. I definitely like the Bengals group of receivers better for the future, um, potentially even just after this season. But for this season alone, the added experience of Cooper and Gallup combined with CD Lamb and the potential I think he has uh, with, with a year under his belt already compared to like Jamar Chase being a rookie who's the, the top notch, who will be the top dog in Cincinnati um, is the biggest difference for me. Um, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, those are guys in Cincinnati who are already really solid. T. Higgins is super young, bit of a touchdown machine. I expect the Bengals to have a dynamic receiving corpse moving forward. Pair that up with Joe Burrow, a quarterback I'm super high on, um, and the chemistry carrying over between him and Jamar Chase. Look out, Jamar Chase is going to be an absolute stud, game breaker right away. But for the sake of this exercise, I'm going to ride with the Dallas Cowboys as the fifth best receiving core in the NFL. But You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all, man. I, I I was on the brink of having them in my five spot as well too. Um, I do really like. Uh, I love I love Amari Cooper. Honestly, like I know that he doesn't get a ton of uh, a ton of uh, recognition around the NFL, but um, I think around NFL fans, I might say, um, I think he keeps up as our defensive coordinators up at night because he gets the ball and he's he can make things happen and he's got great hands too um yeah i i i don't hate that at all great uh, hands and great feet amari cooper is kind of unique like it's not like he has one yeah. athletic athletic defining trait that you can prepare for um like he's gonna jump over you or, or something it's more that he's super crafty with his footwork and like you said he has great Correct. hands polish yeah, yeah yeah um my number five though was the uh the cleveland browns we were just talking about um, elite talent with OBJ and Jarvis Landry for sure. Uh, I like Richard Higgins, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones as well too. I thought that he was actually pretty uh, instrumental for them in their postseason run last year. Um, and then they also have uh, Austin Austin Hooper as well and David Njoku, uh, one of my favorite tight ends in the league. Uh, they were only a twenty fourth in uh, passing attack last year without OBJ for the majority of the year. Super heavy on the run in Cleveland with uh, Nick Chubb and uh, uh, who's their running Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, sorry. Um, so, yeah, they they were uh, obviously a more balanced attack, but I think they just, with OBJ and Jarvis Landry, just such elite, elite talents, um, they could easily be top five uh, passing attack next year. Yeah, and then throw Julio Jones into the mix, and we're really talking. Eh? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, that 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 segues nicely. My number four, Cleveland was fourth on my list, um, just ahead of Dallas and Cincinnati, shortly behind them. Uh, and then, you know, Rashard Higgins proved to be have a lot of wiggle to him as well when o OBJ went okay. down. So, so I like Higgins. You know, o OBJ is still OBJ. Say what you will. Yeah, he's he's been hurt, but I mean, he's a dynamic player. Um, and I think him and Landry is a problem. And then, like you said, that tight end room it was a major tiebreaker for me. Hooper and Joku and Harrison Bryant, they love. So, um, But also, they got a little depth there. They drafted in the third round Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. This guy runs a 4-2-5. Uh, 
Um, and, yeah, and he's he's more than just a burner. He's not just a lineup and run faster than you. He's actually got some receiver skill to him. So his name is worth bringing up as well. Like it just adds to the depth there, um, and he could be a yeah. player for them. But why don't you take us right into your fourth? Since my fourth was the uh, Cleveland Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the uh, the number four on my list, I think, is going to shock a lot of people. But I think they had a great offseason and free agency and the draft. I've got at number four, the New York football giants. Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Toney. They also picked up John Ross, who is another currently hurt guy. Um, I, as a bonus, I have Evan Ingram, who I think is one of the best tight ends in the league, uh, just a step below the uh, the Kittles and uh, Kelsey's of the world. But I think he has the potential to be uh, another game breaker in that tight end spot. Um, the problem with uh, Daniel Jones getting the ball to all these guys, but there's no shortage of weapons in uh, New York anymore. Um, 29th in the NFL last year, but they really addressed their passing game in the offseason. I just want to give them a little bit of props. So I've got them at number four on my list, expecting really big things especially from Kenny Galladay now that he's on the big stage in New York. So, um, and, and Kadarius Tony, I think the guy that in the draft we were talking about quite a bit, Urban Meyer admitted that he wanted to get as well too. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. What do you think? New York Giants at number four. It feels weird even saying. Yeah. I mean, you're really going on a limb here, Boa. Uh, so I, I agree that they have a bunch of talent and like, I love Kadarius Tony. I think he's going to be a star. And I think the Galladay signing is a great one. So the, yeah. like, like I, I couldn't agree more that they are putting together a, a solid group, but I think to have them in the top five receiving groups in the NFL is borderline insane at this point in the, <laughs> of the season. And um, yeah, I mean, you may just need to step out now, bro. Like that might be it for you. There, I, I, I have uh, this. I think I just saw a comment right there that said that you're drinking shine out of a spaghetti, uh, like a mason jar there. So, yeah, I've got, I don't know if they can see it in the back, but yeah, maybe a few more shots to do say tonight for sure. Yeah, I just think it's too early. Like, like I think the Giants are going to be good. When we do our uh, NFC East preview, I think people will be surprised at how high I actually am on the Giants. Um, yeah. I think they have a legit shot to come out of that division um, as the as the best team in that division. Potentially. Um, I think the only thing faster than John Ross's 40 time is how quick they get the gurney to the ambulance after he busts a different ligament in his leg because he's never, ever, ever healthy. So his speed or potential doesn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, Galladay and Tony is wicked. Evan Ingram is super injury prone, but he is definitely like he's a guy I'll let you count as a receiver because that's what he is. Yeah. He's a pass catcher. Um, but again, we'll see. I, th I think I could probably pick 10. 10 receiving groups I'd like more than the Giants. Yeah. Um, at least seven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, okay. nine, nine. I could pick nine. Yeah. They're in the um, top 10, though. And I, I think if they're taking a step forward, like, I think the Giants will, they're going to need to do it through the air. Um, as much as I love Saquon, I just, I have a feeling that they're going to use uh, the production that they get from Saquon to really open up their, their passing attack. So, especially with Galladay taking off the top, I think they could be really good next year. Yeah, uh, it's interesting, no question. Now, so I'm going to go to my number three then. Um, my number three, so I, I had Dallas at five, Cleveland Browns at four. The number three most impressive receiving corpse to me, receiver group, is the Atlanta Falcons. We talked a whole bunch about Julio Jones off the top, his potential destinations, because it's more or less 
we're assuming he's going to get moved. But at this moment, he is still an Atlanta Falcon. And yeah. I have to like I'm I'm sitting here thinking if we, if the if as a Buccaneer fan, a diehard Buccaneer fan, I have to trade our receiving core for another and just insert them. Um, I can't put Atlanta lower than three on my list. Like with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, I mean, as it like Julio is as dominating of a receiving force as there is in the game. Um, and he's an automatic double team. He can beat you deep. He can go over the middle. You talked about his catch radius. He makes yeah. tough contested catches. He does it all. So that's is what it is. But then you're pairing him with Calvin Ridley, who is extremely dynamic in his own right and potentially going to enter the conversation as one of the top 10 f- receivers he could uh, in the in the entire league. So just those two alone together is is a quite quite the tandem. Russell Gage is fine as a third receiver. Uh, they don't have much depth at the position. Tajay Sharp is the next guy in line there. Uh, but they drafted Kyle Pitts, the most yeah. transcendent receiving tight end prospect in the history of football, in the history of planet Earth. So in this case, I need to bring his name into the mix, and that is just stupid. So in terms of, of receivers, I have to put the Falcons at number three. Yeah, we're super high on Kyle Pitts going into the draft and even in all their draft recaps. Uh He's a pass catcher. I'll give him, I'll give you that for sure. I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't get them in my top five, even though they still have Julio. I'm just I'm just I'm already in that space. When I was doing all my prep for this, I was like, oh, Julio's gone, and I just couldn't bring them into that into that uh, into my mind frame for the top five wide receiver groups, just because I'm just thinking of them not having Julio. But you're right, Calvin Ridley's a monster, and I think he's going to be around. It's gonna be a, a guy who keeps Bucks fans up that night. Uh, in the in maybe not next year, but maybe the year after, in the next two or three years from now, um, provided they get a new quarterback. But yeah, I, uh, I I I don't disagree with you on that. Like the the Falcons could be very good on from a receiving standpoint. Good question from Johnny Dean. Are you only basing these receiving corps on the starters, or do you include the entire corps of receivers on the team? So off the top, Johnny, I said, uh, or maybe I didn't even say it because I was just. But absolutely, receiving depth matters for my criteria. I'm thinking, yeah. in, but in some cases, it can matter more so than others. So I just talked about the Falcons having like limited depth, um, but their top two of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley combined with someone like Kyle Pitts, that to me is enough to push them over a team like the Cleveland Browns who have uh, some really good depth at that position. So hopefully that answers your question, Johnny Dean. Um, yeah, I, I was I was going along the same way. Like to me, it was just like the elite talent. It was the guys that keep defensive coordinators up at night. That makes me like value the wide receiver room a little bit more. Um, but then, yeah, the bonuses depth, bonuses the tight end that opens up things for your receivers as well too. So, yeah, it's it's there's no way to say okay, this is the best. It's not a statistical. We're not going through the stats and being like okay, this is the best team by based on this particular metric it's just okay i think i think that these guys are the most talented group and i think this this team actually has a little bit more depth that overcomes a bit of talent so yeah it is tough it's super subjective but that's why it's a podcast that's why we're all listening no doubt who's uh who's up here bo i just did atlanta who's your number three? Oh, number three i have the pittsburgh steelers um speaking of guys who keep defensive coordinators up at night they've got uh, two of them in Deontay Johnson and and Chase Claypool in my opinion even James Washington can take over a game every once in a while they signed back Juju Smith-Schuster as well too so um 
maybe not didn't have the greatest year last year, but got a lot of eyes from defensive coordinators last year and it really opened up things from for those other three guys. So um, I think the Steelers still have one of the best receiver rooms. Um, I don't even know. If, I don't know if they drafted anyone this year at, at wide receiver, but I feel like the entire league is, is always put on notice as soon as they draft a guy now, just because they've been so successful at drafting receivers and developing receivers and their recent history with uh, Ben as well, too. So um, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving Eric Ebron the benefit of the doubt that he's going to stay healthy as well. They're seventh in the league last year with uh, not that great of an offensive line, basically zero running game as well for most of the year. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be as good as their offensive line um, allows them to be. But I still think that they'll be one of the, the top wide receiver groups in, in uh, the year next year. And having like, don't forget too. this is something I didn't consider at all, which was running backs who catch the ball, but they're going to have Najee Harris now as well. So that's not only going to improve their running game, but he's also a guy who can catch the rock too. So uh, Roethlisberger has got no excuse after this season with that collection of pass catchers. They got great depth at the position. Like you said, for me, the only reason I actually kept them off my top five is because I guess because for me, they didn't have, they have a number of good guys, but they don't have anyone I would consider truly elite, which if I'm going to, have what I consider the best receiving core. I want one guy who's just such an issue uh, for the other team that worst case, if everyone else goes down, you got to deal with him on your own. And it's still a problem for a defensive coordinator, but I totally get the Steelers being number three on your, on your list for sure. They just weren't like, I think that goes back to last year. They just weren't predictable at all, but they were just always having these ridiculous passing games. Um, It was just one quarter. It might be Chase Claypool. Next quarter, it might be Deontay Johnson. It was like, as soon as a defensive coordinator got comfortable and being like, okay, I think I'm going to take this guy away, they would just switch it up. And and Ben was able to get the ball to these guys last year. Um, but I, I I agree with you. Like, they don't have that guy, that name that just sticks out. Like might Juju be Claypool. Smith. It might be like Claypool. Claypool. Yeah, we're, we're a little bit biased to the Canadian guys too. But yeah, I, I hope it's Claypool. Like, I, I just, I love watching him play. Um, well, no, he has the skills. Yeah, he has he has the skills too. He has the skills. He has he has all of the uh, he has the prototype. Is, is yeah. what I would say. Um, the guy on the outside that can go up and catch balls over top of people um, seems like an alpha. Um, but yeah, the the idea that uh, the idea for me was that they just have so many guys that they don't have a guy that automatically that number one guy that jumps off the off the roster. But they have three guys who are legitimately can give you the production of a number one receiver. Uh, they just not, they're just not asking each one of them to do it every, every game. So yeah, they, they, I think that was one where it was more depth. It was, they may not have the talent, but they do have a lot of talent, but they do. The thing that sticks out for me is their depth. Right. I, I, it's yeah. completely reasonable. I'm fully in support of that one. I mean, that's a really solid receiving core. Uh, we'll see how big Ben holds up. All right. I so I, Sorry. I took a huge swing with the giant. I took a huge swing with the giant, so I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta reel it in here. Yeah, yeah. Way to reel it in. You're doing good. You're on your way back right. to incredible status. Um so I started off I had the Ma- uh sorry, the Cowboys, not the Mavericks. Dallas Cowboys at five. I had the Browns at four. I have had the Falcons at three. My number two uh best receiving group, position group in the NFL I have is the Arizona Cardinals. Um I think, first of all, you know, top three receiver, potentially top five for sure in the NFL uh, in DeAndre Hopkins 
And then you, you combine that with strong complementary depth at the same position around him. And, and that to me is worthy of this high of a rating. Uh, Christian Kirk is no joke. He's a, he's a legit, really solid number two receiver. Um, and Rondell Moore, who they drafted out of Purdue, I mean, we've talked about him on the pod. I wrote about him at length at BucksBanter.ca. If you haven't visited BucksBanter.ca, make sure you do. Lots of quality stuff up there, especially on a lot of the draft prospects. Um, and lots of it's all Bucks focused for the most part as well. Uh, but Rondell Moore is an absolute freak and i think he's gonna fit so nicely with christian kirk and deandre hopkins he's like this like small explosive scat back yeah. receiver who you can he can beat a guy deep like a short yeah. fly route like like a short receiver running a fly route like a scotty miller for example as just a straight burner but he's also got tons of wiggle and elusiveness um so like he, he jumps higher than lebron james and zion williamson uh he run he runs a sub four three forty uh, he's built like a brick house. Like he is in, he, he found the perfect home in Arizona. I know you've been very critical um, of Cliff Kingsbury, Bo, but this, we're just talking receivers and, and then throw in yeah. AJ green. I mean, I think most of us have written off AJ green, but who knows? Like if he's going to have single coverage all day and he was playing beat up still coming off that injury last season, maybe he's got something left in the tank. Um, they do not have any depth or anything quality at tight end, which I think could be a problem. Like their tight end depth yeah. chart is Max Williams and Darrell Daniels. So, I mean, that to me is interesting. Like, what are you going to roll out? No tight end sets. But again, my formula, I was focusing on the wide receiver position. Okay. Yeah. I don't have Kansas City Chiefs on my list. They are not on my top five. If the receipt, if, if I was counting tight ends, if this was just pass catching or offenses, then yeah, they'd be way near the top. But Kelsey's not in the mix for me, so they they don't deserve to be because he's he's such a factor there. Um, yeah. And then Andy Isabella is uh, entering his second year and a guy, Keyshawn Johnson, entering his third year. Not the Keyshawn Johnson and no relation to the former Buccaneer great Keyshawn Johnson. But um, that is why I think the Arizona Cardinals are my second, are, in my opinion, the second best uh, receiving group in the NFL. Yeah, it's it's tough though, right? Uh, I think especially with Kyler there, he makes it easier uh, for you to get one on ones, just because you're going to need to keep a guy in the box, an extra guy in the box to take care of him, uh, to hopefully take care of him. He doesn't seem like he's easy to to catch it by any means, but yeah, I, I I can't argue with Nuke. Like DeAndre Hopkins is so good um, that yeah, it should propel any propel any receiver room that he's in to be in the top five, but I, I didn't get there with them. Um, I think you're crazy to not have the Chiefs in your top five. I've got the Chiefs. I rejig my my list here. I got the Chiefs at number two. Um, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, even Byron Pringle was a guy I didn't even know last year. I remember asking you, like, should I be worried about this guy uh, when I was trying to think about a, a Browns bet? Uh, and then obviously Travis Kelsey figured into this for me as well, too. I just, it's just, they're so, they're so fast. Nicole Hardman, obviously just, just one of the, the unofficial fastest NFL person in the league. Uh, I have to say person because they invited Devin White, who still beat, I who, who came in last in that? Who did Devin, Devin White he ran, that? he ran faster than Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that it's insane. Um, I also the Vikings. I had the Vikings as an honorable mention as well too. So shout out to them. Um, 
yeah, they could have easily taken my New York Giants spot as even. Um, but yeah, I just, I got the Chiefs at number two. I almost had them at number one, just on off of the game-breaking ability of Tyreek Hill. I just think that he's just so, t- like, he sits so fast. Um, Mahomes kind of figures into this as well, too. So maybe maybe these aren't the perfect wide receiver room rankings on my part, but he's just so fast and so shifty. And just as soon as he gets the ball, you're nervous. Like, he there's no point in the game that Tyreek Hill has the ball that the other team isn't just absolutely terrified that he's going to score. Um, and that if that's not elite wide receiving talent, then I, I don't know what is. Um, but yeah, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman off the top, Demarcus Robinson as well, too, as just a game-breaking speed guy. Um, just the fastest wide receiver room in the league, if, if, if nothing else. And then you add Travis Kelsey to that as a pass catcher. They're, they're just, they have to be number two on the list. Right. So. I mean, I won't deny their their speed, and I certainly won't deny Tyreek Hill's greatness. Obviously, there's some difference because I was trying my best to take the tight end position out of the equation. And I am like, Travis Kelsey's yeah. talent is incredible. I, I bet on Travis Kelsey over yards and receptions like every week last year, and it was yeah. a fruitful experience, similar to betting over on Devin White tackles. Um, yeah. so, so I can respect that. But with that being said, if they are not – if if Patrick Mahomes is not their quarterback. And if Travis Kelsey is not in the equation, which according to mine, if this is just the receiver room, then neither of those guys should be in the equation. So the question is, so then for me, it's Tyreek Hill. Yes, great, exceptional, totally elite. Byron Pringle, McCole Hardman, no Sammy Watkins anymore either. Like those are just guys. Like they're not, you know, like they're, they're just guys like Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, like, um, who are way down our depth chart are, are comparable, if not better than those types of players, in my opinion, that's a little bit of home cooking, but just trying to throw out some names. Um, I don't it's, believe in those, those guys as individual players is what I'm saying. It's more than fair. It's more than fair. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think the Mahomes thing gives them the benefit of the doubt. Um, just cause I haven't seen them catch passes from anyone else. Um, I saw Tyreek Hill catch a pass from Chad Henney and it went in them a playoff game. That at least they got that. So I, 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 it's not much, but the way it stands right now to me is just like those wide receivers are so good. I, like, are the Chiefs better with the Cardinals wide receiver room? I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe they are. I don't. I don't know if you if you swap those two wide receiver rooms. I don't know. Well, if Kelsey's still there, then I think it's unanimously a yes. They are better. If you're swapping yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore in for for Tyree Kill and those guys, because then you still got a burner like Rondell Moore or Christian Kirk. But that's my opinion. This is subjective. It's all for fun, yeah, and that's right. part of why we do it. And in your defense, you can't hold it against them that Patrick Mahomes is there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so I get that. Okay, number one. So for me, number five was the Cowboys narrowly edging out the Cincinnati Bengals. Number four was the Cleveland Browns. Number three was the Atlanta Falcons. Number two was the Arizona Cardinals. And yeah, kick me off the podcast, kick me off Bucks Report right now if I don't say the number one receiving group in the NFL unanimously. I'll say it with conviction. I will yell it from the rooftops on Memorial Day all the way from Canada. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have undoubtedly the top of the top of the cream of the crop wide receivers in the NFL. Okay. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin. This receiving group has everything you need and more. It has star power. It has deep threats, speed, quickness, reliable hands, route runners over the middle, blocking, versatility, depth, absolutely everything. 
I already mentioned Scotty Miller and Tyler Jack Johnson. Those are our fourth and fifth receivers alone at that position. Um, We just drafted Jalen Darden, who has explosive potential, but I'm not about to like tout his name. He hasn't done a thing yet. And who knows, right? He's a fourth round pick out of North Texas. So I'm not going to be like delusional, even though I do expect really good things from Jalen Darden in the future. Um, And then if you're to consider the tight end group as well, well, we got the greatest tight end in the history of the sport who is still very productive. And I expect to be equally, if not more so this season, just like how I feel about Antonio Brown, because he's got another year under his belt with this offense. Um, OJ Howard, whose career was trending so nicely, and he appeared to be showing such great chemistry with Tom Brady um, early on last season. Unfortunately, he's coming back from a torn Achilles. But OJ Howard with one Achilles is still potentially better than a lot of tight ends. Uh, in the NFL, for example, the team I just mentioned, Arizona Cardinals, who is Max Williams? I don't know. Um, but OJ Howard, Rob Gronkowski, just to throw those names out there, even though I've neglected that position into my consideration, that is my long-winded, with a few breaths taken, t- explanation of why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have undoubtedly the best receiving group in the league. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. I've, I've got them at number one, too. And it's not just because it's the Bucks podcast, it's because it's the right decision. Uh, Mike Evans, just, I, I, I can't get enough of watching Mike Evans play football. He's unbelievable. Um, just, I just feel like he's exactly, if you were going to just draw up a wide receiver in today's game, that's exactly who you draw up as your number one. Um, same, like, just around the same. Go ahead. I just want to make sure all our listeners understand this is objective information we're getting from from Bo here. So he's not a Bucks fan. He is just a no. true NFL fan his whole life. So he doesn't have a lean any which way. He does not cheer for the Bucks, and that's no reason to cast him aside. That makes him a valuable contributor to the quality of this show. Okay, because yeah. we I want to hear. So this is unbiased perspective you're getting. Please continue because yeah. I'm loving every minute of it, Bo Dan. <laughs> totally. Uh, and yeah, Chris Godwin as well. Talking about some of the stickiest hands in the league, like absolutely shocked every time he dropped the ball in the post postseason. Like even the the announcers were just like, "This does not happen. This is like basically never happens." Uh, and yeah, one of those tough. Like if you think of a wide receiver too, who is in your slot and is willing to go and chip whatever linebacker in your run game, he is an unbelievable blocker down the field as well too. So. Um, that's even that's taking away from what he does as a pass catcher um how good of a blocker he is so yeah they are uh, really interesting to see uh to see how good their team is because like, on any other roster or let's say if, if tom brady doesn't come to your tim doesn't come to your uh, team last year i think you still would have seen whoever you had at quarterback looking at tyler johnson and uh young scooter scotty miller over the top just those are two very, very good wide receivers who would end up being number threes or number twos in, in a lot of different teams. So those are uh, that's a really, really good wide receiver room in itself from a depth standpoint, from an elite talent standpoint. I haven't even talked about Antonio Brown yet. This is un- un- it's a really unbelievable thing that they've built in uh, Tampa Bay. I think down the line we'll we'll go back and just talk about the team building aspect of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, the reason why they're in the position they are right now. But yeah, that's you've got five receivers that could be starters on any given Sunday. So that's uh, no other team the NFL has that right now. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of, of riches. Well said, Bo. I totally agree, obviously. Um, 
that's dope to hear you lay it out like that again because i know you're not biased any which way so that's why i like to hear it helps justify my take and and uh i'm sure the same perspective that everyone here has um and yeah tyler johnson and scotty miller both coming up with huge catches in the postseason at crucial moments uh was really cool and just kind of speaks to the clutch gene that some of those boys have and hopefully we we find a way to get more snaps to those gentlemen uh we'll see what happens we could just if i can just jump in like the wide receiver room is basically why tom brady's in tampa bay like if you were If yes. you were, if if he looked around the league, which he did, and said, "I want to go to Tampa Bay," I don't think anyone like at the end of last season, at the end of that season, when he was still a New England Patriot, nobody had the Bucks on their list. But once he actually sat down and looked at all the looked at all the rosters, looked at all the cap space, looked at all the draft capital, he picked the Bucks. And one of the top reasons was Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That I I one hundred percent believe that in my mind. So that's after watching them with Jameis Winston as well too. So that's that's it speaks for itself when you have the greatest quarterback of all time basically looking at your wide receiver room and being like yeah i want to play with those guys yeah i mean that's when i one of the that confirmed for me how intelligent tom brady was because he could like let's be real the buccaneers have the are the losingest franchise in professional sports history from a winning percentage um but uh when he chose to come to tampa i was like okay he he is smart enough to know because we knew all bucks fans knew how talented that group was just uh Jameis winston's erratic behavior as a quarterback unfortunately cost us too many victories single-handedly um so that that's cool i glad to see we both finished with the bucks at number one um couple cool comments we should show we got someone on youtube watching on bucks report on youtube seminal buccaneer uh shout out to you seminal buccaneer appreciate the love um our guy who's come come with some real good comments tonight. I wish he would tell me how to pr- correctly pronounce his name, but I'm going to say my Sidor, Sidor. Uh, Justin Watson, the odd man out in Tampa. I'm glad you brought up Justin Watson's name. Um, he's like I I believe in his fourth season out of Penn. Um, he's like he's a he's a tall guy who's who's deceivingly fast. I in the last month actually went to his like pro day workout and watched him um, because that's the most, that's the most eyes I can get on Justin Watson here in Canada and like he, he could be a receiver, but the question that was just asked, is he the odd man out? Sorry, I'll bring it up again. Is Justin Watson the odd man out? See, he has tremendous special teams value. He's one of, I think like the only wide receivers to ever have like a sack. Um, he's like, so he's proven himself to be really valuable on specials. I expected him to develop a niche role, but unfortunately the bucks have just continued to add these talented guys in the later rounds, like Tyler Johnson and, um Scott Dillon, who we've talked about Jalen Darden so in terms of as a receiver yeah he's probably out of the mix but I think he can hang around the team just based on his special teams capability and what a testament that is in my opinion to like the right way to do your job obviously he wants to to catch balls um and be a receiver on the offense but he's just grinding it out and and created a spot for him on this Super Bowl winning team in special teams so that's super cool um yeah, so cool. Some people are commenting on whether I resemble a Ricky Gervais. <laughs> a healthy Ricky Gervais. Okay, a healthy Ricky Gervais. Uh, <laughs> all right. Oh, there was another comment I wanted to get to. Okay, expectations for Jalen Darden. We just got – that's another question from Seminole Buccaneer. I want to get to that. Um, 
I think right away, my expectation for him is that he takes hold of the punt returner, potentially kick returner uh, role for the Buccaneers and brings some electricity to that position. I think Jaden Mickens actually uh, impressed me last year. It's generally been a position that the Buccaneers have lacked in terms of having a quality kick returner, which many teams do. I mean, it's it's becoming rarer and rarer to have a difference maker there. But I think that's where Jalen Darden is going to carve out his his way to produce and, and and dress every week, hopefully in the meantime. And then I think once a position opens up, I think he could slide in and, and, and work his way up to being a, a competent receiver for the Buccaneers. We'll see what happens with Godwin. Scotty Miller, I think, is going to get some interest on the open market when his rookie deals up, which will happen. So um, we'll see in the future. But for now, he's a special teamer, tried and true. And that's what I got. So, um, okay. Moving along here. I mean, Bo, I don't know. Are you good? Like, do you want to keep rolling here? Do you got anywhere to be or what? Cause no, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. Like I, I'm loving the, uh, the comments we're getting and all the engagement. So yeah, whatever we, whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm game. All right, man. You just let me know. Cause I'm ready to rock. And, uh, um, my guy Keith at Bucks report said there is no show after us tonight. So he said, take it as long as you want to. Okay. So, so we got, we got more to cover. So why don't we just keep on rolling with the punches um, you know, and, and see what's next. So what I think we should do now is I wanted to talk about, um, breakout receivers. So NFL receivers, I, I compiled a little list here of guys who, uh, sorry, before I do that, uh, some Mickens talk, and I didn't really finish my thought on Mickens. So Johnny Dean, who's been very active and engaged this entire time, Mickens impresses is something I thought I would never hear. Darden's main competition in practice for special teams is going to be TJ Logan. Yeah, interesting. Like Mickens, I'm just saying he was he was valuable for us returning kicks uh, down the stretch run of the Super Bowl last year, and I will stand by that absolutely. TJ Logan coming off the injury, one of Bruce Arians' guys, formerly uh, from the Arizona Cardinals, and before that he was a North Carolina Tar Heel, I believe. TJ Logan's solid, but I I think Mickens has some legal issues too, which is part of the problem. So uh, that yeah. was just something something worth. Uh, worth doing so um anyway breakout receivers for 2021 so i just wanted to come up with some names of guys i think are going to take a step forward and i didn't necessarily have like um i didn't have strict criteria so whatever it is i expect them to take a major jump this year is kind of my criteria Bo, as i go through my list here um, please feel free to, to chime in and give us your thoughts on these guys and, yeah, totally. uh, you know, rip them apart or, or pat me on the back, whatever, whatever you need, man. That's so, good, man. yeah, I, I unconventionally, I went with a rookie because I just want to reinforce my love for this player. And I want to attach my name to his success in the NFL. That's how high I am. Can you guess who it is, Bo, since you've heard me talking about this rookie class of wide receivers? I would cry on stream right now if it's not Jamar Chase. Yeah, so you know me. It's Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase, I've said it before, I think he's going to be a top, top. He's, I think he's going to be the best receiver in the NFL in five years. So yeah. um, that's how I feel about Jamar Chase. He's that kind of talent. I think people forget he didn't play last year. So he just has all the tools. I love everything about him. Um, we've talked about him. At least I have a lot on previous podcasts, so I'm not going to just like spend forever. I'm just going to kind of give these names. Uh, second guy I expect to be a breakout player this year is CD lamb. Second year, 
uh, out of Oklahoma. Already talked about Mike McCarthy having really peculiar usage of him, like uh, which was frustrating when you want it, when you like a guy and you want to see him succeed. Um, and he's put in that type of position. Still don't know what the Cowboys were doing hiring Mike McCarthy. Um, but yeah, CD lamb is a guy I could see taking a big step this year. A big problem as well. Last season was a lack of quarterback play. I don't even want to try to recall the names of some of the guys throwing the ball after Andy Dalton got hurt. Um, it was a disaster on both sides of the ball for Dallas, but it was no fault of those receivers. And CD lamb has like, he can do a bit of everything. He's got wicked hands. He can jump out the gym. He's a red zone threat. His yards after the catch are phenomenal. So he's a guy, don't be shocked if he kind of blows up the spot a little bit this year, especially with a guy like Amari Cooper beside him to take a lot of the pressure off of him and with Dak throwing the ball. Yeah, Dak coming back is huge for CeeDee Lamb. I think it's always going to be frustrating watching Mike McCarthy's offense, which is kind of crazy after he was had so much success with Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, the uh, I would love to see CD Lamb have a big year. Um, we were talking on the last podcast. I want to say we're not the biggest NFC East fans, um, but they've got a really compelling, uh, compelling division this year um, between CD Lamb on the on the Cowboys. They've got a bunch of Giants wide receivers that I'm excited to see. Also, the Washington Football Team. They've got a pretty nice wide receiver group as well, too. So. They didn't, they didn't make our top five, but I, th- I still think that they would be in the, the top half of the league if we were going to run through them. But, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree on CeeDee Lamb at all. I I could totally see him having a big year as uh, as wide receiver two, possibly even do, becoming wide receiver one in a pinch. Yeah, nice. Um, and then the other guy. So he, he's been he spent a few years in the league. DJ Moore in Carolina. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, the Panthers had a solid receiving group with him and Robbie Anderson. That was quite the tandem. Obviously, Samuel uh, has left to Washington. So as you just mentioned, um, that creates even more of a of an impressive group in Washington. Unfortunately, the only guy they got is Fitzmagic to throw them the ball. No disrespect to Ryan Fitzmagic. He did. He worked magic for the Bucs. Uh, that's where he got the nickname and, and all. But um, anyway, back to DJ Moore. I really like him. I liked him coming out of Maryland. Um, I think he he is really good, and I think this is the year. I'm not out here like calling Sam Darnold the next Joe Montana, but I do think people are potentially underrating the fact that he could his career is alive still. He was stuck in New York playing for the Jets with a dysfunctional franchise there, um, and I could see Sam Darnold delivering more accurate passes on a more consistent basis than Teddy Bridgewater did, and. I think Carolina has done a really nice job. Matt Rule, the head coach there. Um, Joe Brady running the offense. I, I like what they're forming. Sorry to say it, Bucks fans. And DJ Moore will be a big piece of what they have going forward. Him and Robbie Anderson's a nice tandem. But I expect DJ Moore to take a big step this year. Yeah, I and I'm looking at their uh, our comments here, asking who is the most underrated wide receiver in the NFC South. It, DJ, DJ Moore is definitely in that conversation. Um, I could definitely see him having a big year. I'm not huge on Sam Darnold. Um, I like the trade. I just like the idea of being aggressive and, and taking a chance on a uh, number two, uh, number two pick uh, overall. And Sam Darnold uh, was he number two or was he number one? I can't remember. Darnold was two. That's the year. Yeah, Darnold was sorry. Yeah. Darnold. That's Baker's year. That's the year Baker was drafted. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Darnold went two to the Jets. Yeah. Um, anyways, I'm I'm not super high on him. Just the more that I think about his fit in that system, but Matt Rule is smarter at football than I am. So if he sees something that he likes over there, um, I could totally see that working out for them. Um, but yeah, if if DJ Moore is able to get the ball consistently, I think he's going to turn a ton of heads this year. Yeah, so that would be my answer uh, for uh, Seminole Buccaneer who asked who is the most underrated receiver in the NFC South. I would say DJ or or Robbie Anderson. It's one of those guys. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying I'm in love with Sam Darnold. I'm just saying don't be surprised if he experiences a bit of a rejuvenance uh, and is productive in Carolina running Joe Brady's offense for Matt Rule. Um, okay, I mentioned this name earlier. Number four on my list, breakout possible breakout receivers for 2021, Brandon Ayuk. Um, talented rookie wideout last year playing for San Fran. Obviously, they had a terrible year. Um, and and you know, Debo Samuel was hurt. Um, um, there everyone er, tons of guys were hurt, were hurt for the yeah. Niners this past year, right? Like things just weren't working. Uh so Brandon Ayuk was like productive. They were like handing him the ball, throwing him the ball. He's a very versatile weapon like that. Uh this year, Debo Samuel back. Um, they're going to get all their weapons going, and I think Ayuk has has some real potential to kind of explode on the scene a little bit as 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 a, a bit of a difference maker. And I think he'll, he it, could potentially be more of a weapon than Debo Samuel, even. Really? Okay. Yeah. Potentially. No, I was. I feel like uh, every time I watch the Niners, I would if Debo Samuel was playing, I would. I just like, oh, they're going to win this game. Um, but yeah, Ayuk definitely proved it, and he, he proved that he could do more than just be a receiver for you he could catch or catch like small uh, screen passes or um those push passes where he's really a runner it's really a rush but they still count it as a pass in the nfl um but yeah i i, I again i don't think we're gonna have a ton of disagreement here but yeah brandon if he's able to get the ball consistently i think he'll be a little bit better if they do give the reins to Trey Lance and he'll become somewhat of a safety blanket for Trey Lance um, as a guy who's able to get open and, and find his way in the chaos for Trey Lance to find. So I, I won't be surprised if he gets a little bit more run once they have Brandon AU once they have Trey Lance behind center. Nice. And, and yeah, the number five on my list is T Higgins uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, T Higgins really kind of flew under the radar last season um 67 catches six touchdowns he's 21 years old i mean i I like what t higgins does he's definitely a bit of like a red zone target like coming out of clemson i think again the the pairing the squad they've put together there um in cincy that offense is going to be really good with joe burrow i'm a huge joe burrow fan um and i think those receivers together higgins is uh Higgins is worth mentioning as like calling him a breakout. Like he already had a solid rookie campaign, so it wouldn't necessarily be a breakout. But I mean, that, that that's what I'm looking at here is younger guys who, who have the potential to take the next step. Jamar Chase there, t- uh, Boyd, they're going to take the heat off. So I could see him scoring. I could see him reaching like potentially like nine, 10 touchdowns, double digit touchdowns at some point, whether it's this year or not, we'll see. Not sure if you have thoughts on T Higgins, Bo, or if you want me to roll through and chime in when you, uh, Feel compelled yeah, no, to you, yeah, you can keep going. Like I, the only thing with the Bengals is that I'm just I'm concerned about their offensive line. I think we talked about that during the draft as well too. It's just that they don't. I'm I'm worried about them keeping Burrow upright to get the ball to the Jamar Chases and T Higgins of the world. But um, 
yeah, if, if they are able to get protection, it's kind of similar to the Steelers in that same division. It, they will be that wide receiver group will be as good as their offensive line is. Um, yeah, that, more time that, is good. Yeah, that's a great point too. Hopefully, they can keep Burrow upright. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Jerry Judy. Uh, another receiver out of Bama had a slow year last year. The quarterback play in Denver is is a bit concerning, but they'll have Cortland Sutton coming back off injury, which will help take the heat off Judy. Uh, he's just a really talented player, and he was pretty quiet under the radar in that rookie season. So whether it's Bridgewater or Drew Locke, I expect it. I I imagine Drew Locke's a little too erratic for for what yeah. head coach Nick Nick Fangio is going to be trying to do there. Like I think he wants to pound the rock and avoid mistakes. So I just can't see Drew Locke fitting in there i don't know the uh well i'm sure we're probably we'll probably get to an aaron Rodgers episode at some point we've mentioned him enough times on the podcast at this point um but yeah if aaron Rodgers ends up being the quarterback there i think you'll see a breakout year from basically every broncos wide receiver yeah um okay and then Kadarius tony at seven um Anyone who follows my work, our work, knows I was big on Kadarius Tony coming into the draft. Um, and I think, like, I thought this might be a hot take. It's not like I'm out here putting him in my top five best receiving groups in the NFL, but Bo did that already. So this just seems like a super tame, like, casual Sunday take. Um, but, yeah, I think Kadarius Tony's really good, and I think people are going to realize it this year because because like you Bo, i think they i think that offense is going to take a big step this year and then rondell moore another rookie i already talked about but i don't want to talk too much about rookies especially if i've already mentioned them um do you have any thoughts on either of those two guys that you want to share Bo? or yeah uh i would just say for the uh, florida fans uh Kadarius tony little percy harvin light um the more i look at what he's able to do and on YouTube, at least, uh, just looking back on some of his games and the production that he's had, uh, he could be a game changer easily. Um, and yeah, Rondell Moore, I think we already talked about it. I just like hearing us say that he jumps higher than Zion Williamson. Yeah. And like, I don't, I'm not trying to put ex unreal expectations on these rookie receivers, right? Like, it takes a bit. Look at CD right. Lamb, Jerry Judy last year. Um, but more in the long term, these are guys who have the potential to really pop. Uh, and then LaVisca Chanel Jr., uh, he's in Jacksonville playing with Trevor Lawrence. Now he's got a quarterback. He got DJ Chark there. So they, they they are far from a dynamic passing attack. But I think he's a guy in year two who could take a leap with with such dramatically improved quarterback play from Trevor Lawrence. He's going to – Trevor Lawrence, no matter what you think, he's going to get the ball out to guys, and he's going to give them a chance to make plays. And I think Chanel can make some plays. He was a very dynamic player at Colorado. Um, and someone I had my eyes on in the draft, and then he landed in Jacksonville, and I was like, all right, we'll check in later, man. We'll see what happens in a year or two. And sure enough, in walks the golden boy, sunshine, Trevor Lawrence to save the day and potentially save LaVisca Chanel's reputation around the league. So that's why he deserves mention. Yeah, I'm with you. Urban Meyer is well coming in there to uh, feature him. Urban Meyer's been pretty well documented as a guy who can get wide receivers, scheme them open as well, too. So... I, I would expect that we're uh, no disagreement for me again on, on the wide receivers. Uh, we're looking to break out, but yeah, see what they can do out in Duval. Right. And then this is a guy you mentioned last time when we did our, our last episode together, uh, when we previewed the AFC South bow uh, for Indianapolis, Michael Pittman Jr. 
uh, out of USC. Of course, the son of Michael Pittman, Super Bowl winning running back with biceps bigger than anything you've ever seen before. Uh, it is his son. He, so he's got Buccaneers, Buccaneer genetics, the great yeah. Michael Pittman. Um, but yeah, he, he he's a big body. And I mean, the Colts have a, have a well-rounded roster and they got to throw to someone. Carson Wentz isn't a guy I'm high on, as I mentioned earlier, and I know you feel the same. But but Frank Reich runs a good offense. He runs a good ship, and they're going to be similar to Jacksonville. They're going to be throwing to someone, and I think um, Pittman could really kind of take a leap here in his second season. Yeah, and they, they still have T.Y. Hilton as well, too. Uh, but if Carson Wentz is going to be good, I think it's going to be getting the ball to Michael Pittman Jr. more than it's going to be T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Pittman, as we just said, huge physical specimen, um, can catch pretty much anything that's in his radius. But the idea of having Carson Wentz throwing the ball means he's not going to have a ton of balls in his radius. He's going to have to work to get them after they're in the air. So we'll see what that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and it's almost like um, he he's like a similar mold to like Alshon Jeffrey was when Wentz was throwing him the ball in Philly, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. That- type of receiver he might have familiarity with or, or just a natural comfort level. T.Y. Hilton, I mean, I, I uh, applaud him for how productive he's been. Uh, it shocks me every season. I expect him to fall off, but he's just like he's, he's just not a number one, like in my opinion, like on an elite uh, passing offense um, yeah. to no fault of his own. He'd be great in a number two role, but he's 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 entering the dark days of his career potentially. Okay, well um that we're we're at just about an hour and 50 minutes so uh, we wanted to enjoy having all of the wonderful viewers through the bucks report various networks here um, and try to interact as much as we could in the comments uh, it was fun chopping it up about wide receivers ranking the wide receiver groups not without much debate and argument which is just how we like it um <laughs> Yeah, Bo, I don't know if you have any final thoughts or anything you'd like to hit on as it might relate to the NFL, wide receiver position, Bucks stuff, whatever, before we uh, bid adieu. No, I think we covered it all. Uh, I don't have anything else on football. It's still May, so we got a lot of of anticipation, a lot of content to deliver you guys. Hopefully you guys will uh, join us uh, on our next show here, the Bucks Panther. If I'm invited back, I'm, I'm... I invited back. I hope. I, I mean, I'm, like I said, like you're, well. you're inching real close to co-host status, buddy. <laughs> your your name might not be guest on the Bucks Banter podcast for very long. Yeah, you got to change. You got to change it. So uh, change it from guest. Got to change the overlay at some point. We'll see. Um, this worked as a two man. Scott can stay, keep. I don't know. Play another round next next week if you want. So. Um, we look great up here in the, this, this uh, our favorite overlay here, the number two, the two-man go. So, no, I'm just kidding, Scott. We, we need you back. We need you to uh, to just be ruthless and mean to everyone. So uh, I think you, you would get a ton of enjoyment out of the uh, fan engagement we're getting right now. So, uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm uh, Bo Knows Ball, B-O-H, Knows Ball. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of basketball on my feed right now, but if you want to come, uh, hang out, I'll be over there and we're going to talk a ton of football on Sundays and throughout the weeks once the season uh, starts. So yeah, thanks. Lots of love coming in. Yeah, Bo, always appreciate it, man. And yeah, you'll definitely be back here next week. Um, 
And for anyone else who's ever looking for, for additional Buccaneers-focused content, like I said earlier, head over to www.bucksbanter.ca, not .com, .ca, where there's plenty of uh, of written work there for you to consume if you're looking for some, some reading um, in the offseason. Um, and also, you know, hit us up on YouTube. Feel free to like and subscribe. We're available via podcast on Spotify or op- Apple Podcasts. Uh, and give us a follow at BucksBanter. Or sorry, at BucksBanter on Twitter. Um, and we love to interact there as well, just as we've enjoyed interacting with you all here tonight. I want to say thanks again for tuning in. And we will catch you next Monday at 7 p.m. with the Bucks Banter podcast. Until then.